You're listening to Henley Business Radio. Welcome to Henley Business Radio. My name is Gareth Armstrong. It is a great pleasure to be with you this morning. And it's another great pleasure because we are having another conversation with a super guest. Ray, when I say super guest, that's you, right? Well, I don't know about super guests, but it's been it's been 23 years of good fun, put it that way. And various radio stations, I think it's about 12 now. And uh, yeah, that is super time. Okay, well, super time is going to translate into a super conversation. I'm pretty sure about that. So what are we going to be doing today? We're talking Ask an Expert. So Ray White is here in studio. You would have recognized that voice. He is not a stranger to most of you who are listening to this kind of conversation because you would have heard him on 702. Just drop a couple of other brands. All right. So Brag been, a little. Let me see. SAFM, 5FM, Radio 2000, Metro FM, 702, Cape Talk, KFM, uh, 947, and a few others, I'm sure. <laughs> and just a few others. <laughs> well, look, I, I guess I'm definitely the, the amateur in the room. So if at any point you feel like you need to uh, correct me, correct me. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. We're having fun today. It's yeah, fun radio. It, it is fun yeah. radio. It's informative radio. And let, yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about your journey. And then let's just get some questions out there, questions that we have, questions that some of our listeners have for you as a, a journalist, as mm. someone that has been on radio for a number of years, a number of years, a couple of decades. <laughs> Um, let, let's go into just please introduce yourself to th- those few people who may not know who you are, please. I work for 702, which is part of the Prime Media Stable. Um, I have a long career. It goes back to the SABC, started in 1993. Interesting times because the country had just changed way back then. And most of the people were leaving and as I was arriving. So I pitched up for this big party and thought, ah, I'm here for the party. And everyone said, the party's over. The party's we're over. going. Mm. So I waited for the new party, literally the new party. And they arrived and they took over government. And it's been fun ever since. So it's all about origins. Where do you come from? And my origin was the SABC. Mm. And I was put into a very deep pool and told to swim. Mm. If you don't swim, you're going to drown. You're going to lose your job. So at the age of, I think, about 2022, 20, I was reading news, writing news. I was the editor in charge. Wow. I was everything. And uh, yeah, I didn't get much sleep, but it was fun. And that's what it's all about, origins. Ba- baptism by fire doesn't always sound like fun. That's what it sounds like here, though. It was a baptism by fire. Well, it was. And I'll, I'll never forget there was a situation at SAFM at the time, and they'd got rid of all the old people because mm. they decided they didn't really fit in. A lot of people also just left because they didn't like the political dispensation. So they said, right, everybody gather in the main hall. We're going to try you out to read news. Mm. I was like, well, I'll go along. This sounds like fun. Went along, sat down, and they said, oh, you've got a nice voice. I said, oh, thank you. They said, good. You're reading news tomorrow morning nationwide. <laughs> like, guys, guys, no, really. And they said, we're not asking. Okay. Telling you. All right. So I did. I went and read news that morning and messed it up quite a bit. Mm. I was a little bit nervous. Sure. Um, but then after giving myself a good talking to, decided, you know what, I can do this. Mm. Uh, sat in the studio one night until about midnight, just going through news bulletins, watching Sky News, watching BBC, thinking, if they can do it, I can do mm. it. And I did it. Well, you did it and you've been doing it for a long time. Let's, let's pause there and let's just go back a little bit further. So who are you really? I mean, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. How did you get to this point where you, you're a journalist by profession? Okay, so what happened was I was a lonely little teenager. Okay. He used to get on his bicycle. And in those days, it was sort of the 1980s when I was going through high school. And a lot of bands were coming through. I'm talking about U2, Queen, all those 80s mm-hmm. bands. 
So what I would do is I would put my then Walkman on. I, back in my day, you had Walkmans with yeah. batteries yeah. and tapes and things. Yeah, those guys. And I'd go on my bicycle, and I also had a Walkman radio. So I'd go and I'd listen to then Radio 5, thinking to myself, you know what? When I'm bigger, I want to be on Radio 5. How do I get into Radio 5? Well, mm. I could apply, and I, did, I sent my demo through and didn't get a single answer. Mm. And I thought, you know what? If I go and read news, that's one way of getting in. And that's exactly what I did. I never knew that I'd actually enjoy news mm. much more than Radio 5. The funny thing is I landed up working on then 5FM for nine years. So my dreams came true. I, I did have a few sweaty moments when you walk in and you see those people like Alex J and Tony Blewett. Sure. And they march on over and they, they shake your hand and you kind of melt into a puddle on the floor. Yeah. I did that several times. But you get used to it. So then you, this lonely teenager come newsreader turned baptism by fire news editor writer at the sabc bring us to the present day right so what happens we're at the sabc and i call it right place right time and mm. that's exactly what i was right place can you do it i taught myself very quickly to do it by just watching others got into that became the youngest bulletin editor at the SABC in my early 20s. Normally, these guys would wait to become 50 years old, and they would become these, these supremo mm. guys. They gave me the job. I yeah. uh, became deputy in charge of the SABC, in charge of the newsroom there, under a great guy, Vusi Sotole. The uh, two this of is I, 25, I'm sorry. Yeah, 25. about 20, 25 wow, years old. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're about, maybe mm. a bit younger. Uh, went on doing that. Uh, did S, uh, SAFM. Somebody heard me and said, you know what, would you like to try out for 5FM? And I thought, well, I already know the guys there because I've introduced myself. Why not? Mm. Went out, uh, went to 5FM, started doing weekend news. The guy in the afternoon, again, right place, right time, and so, I'm sorry for him, was fired. Mm. For when he was reading the afternoon show. They said, Ray, listen, can you read now afternoons on 5FM? I was like, well, of course I can. I was doing weekends. I was doing afternoons in 5FM or seven days a week. And I was still the news editor, but working in the mornings. So what I would do, Gareth, go to work at 4 o'clock in the morning. I would work until 12. I would sleep on a couch in an office. Wow. Get up off the couch at about 2 o'clock, shake off the dust, and then go and read news from 3 to 7. Mm. I wonder how many people would actually do that, would, would really be willing to do it. And you, you did it in a, a good very successful career is testament to the fact that um, you, you did do it. It's a passion. You have to have that passion. It's also creative magic. When you go on the air, you, your adrenaline's going, of course, mm. but you're having fun. You're having lots of fun. So you don't realize that people are actually listening. Of course, you know that there's an audience out there. But you'll go out on weekends and you'll hear somebody say, did you hear that story on 5FM? How funny was that? Mm. And you nervously sip your beer and go, yeah, yeah I heard it. I heard it because I said it. And exactly. people don't realize. I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, what do you do? And I say, ah, oh, well, you know, I work on the radio. And they say, who are you? And I give them my name and they're like, no. No, that's not you. <laughs> that guy's a blonde surfer guy. And yeah. uh, who are you? Yeah. yeah. Don't lie to me. And I go, okay, sorry. I'll never lie again. You have this background, which is journalism. We've seen where it's been. And there's been some incredible journalistic contributions over a number of, of years covering wars, all sorts of different things. And, and so we, in many ways, took a journalist and we put them on a bit of a pedestal and we said, wow, these are the guys that are going to bring information to us. We trust them uh, almost implicitly with, with whatever they're reporting. We believe in them even sometimes. But the world has changed. What, what are you, what's your take oh, on, on this, yeah. this change that is going on? News is a commodity. It's an information commodity. But what's happening at the moment is people are abusing news. They're using it for their, for their own means. You've seen TV stations such as ANN7 starting. Yep. 
And if you watch ANN7, it's quite worrying. Um, I must be honest, it's very worrying because what you see there is not the truth very often. Well, how can you say that with such certainty? Because you have said it with quite a a seeming level of certainty. There's a political agenda. So you will have people saying things. So what we do with news is we Mm. hold a big mirror up to the world. The Mm. world sees itself and we shoot the image back. But very often on, say, ANN7 or other broadcasting mediums or maybe one certain newspaper is that they come out with a certain slot and they actually target certain people. I'll take Pravin Gordon. Mm. Um, he was, he's been absolutely slanted and targeted. So what becomes the person saying it, the newsmaker saying it, now becomes the interviewer saying it or the anchor saying it. Mm. That's totally wrong because it's not about my view. I might write an editorial. Absolutely. And I do that from time to time where I vent my anger, especially over Claudia Motswinning, which mm. I must tell you about. That's a very interesting story. Oh, yeah, let's not go too far from it. So I want to come back to it. Please remind me, because that's very interesting. He was my intern at one point. Oh, right. Right. Interesting. But, so, so we go to ANN7, we go to this, and we go to misinformation, and that's what these people are doing out there. They're actually redirecting the attention of the media, and rather of the, uh, of the public, to have a look and see, right, here's this big story, here's white monopoly capital, mm. let's give it a label, because now they're going to be focusing on that and not on Nkandla or one of the other problems. Yeah, these red herrings are everywhere, and it frustrates me a great deal, and I'm, I must admit, bringing it back to a business school context or business context, you can topple empires, you can topple yeah. share prices with just one or two tweets and, and a message here and there, Add it together, give it a little bit of power, or backed by a political agenda like ANN7, as you've described, and suddenly you're in a world of problems, especially if you're sitting as a CEO in a business and you're being targeted. How, how does one even deal with that? Well, it's difficult. If you have a look what's been happening as well with the public protector coming out and saying the Reserve Bank needs to change its mandate. Mm. I'm talking business now. So various companies, there's the stock market came under a bit of flack for that. The RAND does. And every single time, and I watch the RAND on my Reuters computer every day. It's mm. lovely having this computer. But mm. I watch it come down, come down, and you're rooting for the RAND. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along with some sort of agenda and knocks it for a six again. Yep. And it's getting very frustrating. This whole thing is very frustrating. But I'll say one thing. The RAND is more resilient than we think it is, and so are South Africans. South Africans are not stupid. They know exactly what's going on. So for all these attempts to try and, as you say, put red red herrings out there, they're not working. Um, And hopefully there's going to be change soon. Let's go to Claudia quickly, and then I want to talk a little bit about this idea of being able to trust news, because it does seem to be sliding the wrong way. And it's not just the news. It's it's political environment and, and, and. Claudie. Claudie He was your intern. Well, I was at the SABC, as I said, as, a, as the bulletin editor there. Mm. And a young guy comes along, and he's put into my department named Claudie Motswinning. Very sweet guy, but I didn't know what to do with him. So um, he couldn't read news. He couldn't write news. So I put him on the sound desk just to capture sound. Mm. But he couldn't put a sentence together. He was, he was struggling. I didn't know what to do. So eventually I chatted to my boss. We decided we would send him to Lissetti FM in Bloemfontein because at least he spoke the language. That sure. was the big thing. So sure. he went off to Lissetti FM, and that was the end of it. I just thought, well, that's, I'll never see him again. That was it. So this is a guy who basically couldn't put a story together. Mm. And off he went to Lissetti FM. I believe he then got into a fight with the regional manager. Um, he was fired. Regional manager, manager was suspended. And later on, after I had left the SABC, he was brought back again to the SABC only to be driving my car one day and listening to Mandy Wiener do the story that Claudia Motswineng is now the COO of the SABC. 
I almost drove my car off the road. A period of time? What was this period of time? That would have been about, I think, about four or five years ago. I left in 2008, so it must have been a seven-year gap thereabout. That's a nice uh, growth curve in in terms of a career from intern to CEO of a giant organization. Well, that's it. That's exactly it. And it's it's just got me thinking. This is the SABC that I I, I can't talk badly about. I was very happy there Mm. for the 15 years I was there. Mm. But to see this happen... And I thought, right, well, let's give him a chance. But what has happened since then, it's just been full-blown corruption and has actually almost wiped out the entire SABC. How do we actually even trust what is being said, given the controversy that we've seen, but then also given the political environment that we're in, the agendas that you have mentioned, how do we even trust what is coming out of your mouth, Hmm. given the fact that even you have a bias Hmm. that may be unconscious? Yeah, I I think that's a very good point. You need to look at your new sources. Now, the SABC has gone through a very difficult time. When I first got there in 93, the old guard were going. And these mm. are sort of old guys who walked around with red pens and deleted stuff off your pieces of paper. We didn't have computers back then. We had sure, typewriters sure, or sure. actually just went into computers. Mm. And they would edit you. So that was that sort of national party grip. Thereafter, there was a sweet moment from 94 until I would say, until even until I left in 2008. I never really had much of pressure on the radio side. Mm. In fact, I had no pressure. We would just do, we, we, we news hounds. We go for the top story. Mm. I know television news was under a bit of uh, pressure at that point, but it had nothing to do with us. The SABC, of course, and you would have seen under Cloudy, a stopping protest being broadcast. Yeah. You, can get, you can get a sense. And when I said South Africans are not stupid, they're not stupid. They know if they go to EWN, if they go to ENCA, if they go to any one of these corporations, you're going to get proper news. Obviously, they go through different fields, different filters rather. So if it's Ray writing a story, I'll be edited by someone. Even if I'm a news editor, I'll be edited by someone. And it won't go out. Um, You do have your personal feelings about things, but these are just sort of elements of anger that you see when you look at the TV and you say, but that's not right. That's Mm. not true. That's not what the, the newsmaker said. So people do have their trusted sources. And as I said, they're not stupid. How do you in your experience, build a relationship of trust with an audience that you may never have face-to-face contact with, but on an ongoing basis, you are interacting with them. And I want to just pull this back and compare yourself perhaps even to a CEO who is sitting in an office somewhere, and he may never meet the 6,000 workers in an operation down in Free State, for example. How does that CEO build that trust? How have you done it? Accountability. Okay. If you get something wrong, then say you got it wrong. Mm. Don't try and cover it up. Accountability, accuracy is the big thing. So you give accurate news. You do talk shows. And when you do talk shows, which sometimes I do, you don't turn people off. In other words, they come with a conflicting view. And maybe it is going to be white monopoly capital. And you mm. know very well in the back of your head that this was something that was started by Bell Pottinger and there's been this whole expose. But you let other people speak. Mm. And you let other people come with their versions of what they want to say. And the art of good leadership I've learned is what you do in a newsroom or those around you, listen to what people have got to say and then take the best of it. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Mm. And say you're wrong. I've learned in this world, if you're wrong, say you're sorry and we move on. Say you're not sorry and refuse to back down and you've got a problem. So I want to come at you with something then on what you've just said. Jacob Zuma said that he was sorry for Nkandla. Is that good enough? No. Can we trust him? No, because he's not sorry. Okay. Um, so there's more to you that, this than just admitting that you're wrong. 
Well, of course, within Kandla, which is a little bit different, in that, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. But there's massive accountability that goes there. Yep. He's the president of a country. So I'm not a president. But if I did something like that, if I took 264 million rands of taxpayers' money and I was wrong, I'd probably resign. No, I you, would resign. Not probably. I would resign. No, you, and, and that is the uh, accountability element yeah. that you're talking about. So I, I do like that there's two, two sides to it. There is the communication element, and then there's the other side, the the substantive side, which is take accountability. No, very nice. Just tell us about your most exciting moment being in the news in South Africa across any of the, the platforms that you have been able to be broadcasting on. Most exciting moments. I know it's very cliched, mm. but I, I think when in 1994 mm. reading the news and then Nelson Mandela was doing a radio address and crossing life to him. Okay. I think that's, that freaked me out a little bit as well. Yeah. That was history in the making. And there have been these kind of things that, that have come along. Um, the different stages of democracy, the Cadessa talks, those were huge. Mm. I was worried at that point because the AWB, they were bombing the airports and places. Mm. And I thought that the SABC was going to be bombed. I was quite convinced the SABC was next. So what I would do is I would arrive for work, park my car, and I'd run through the foyer to the turnstiles, get in an elevator and go out Yeah, to the and just, just get, try to get safe, feel yeah. safe at least. To feel safe, because I was convinced that that was going to happen. But mm. it never happened. Um, you know, all sorts of things like that. Reporting. I remember my first time I reported. I went to Eldorado Park, and there was a school, and there was a riot at the school because the principal had done something wrong. And I pitched up there. I was driving my mother's car. I don't mm. know why I didn't take a news car. Maybe there wasn't one. I was driving my mother's car, mm. a green Mazda. Mm. And this huge crowd ran up to me and started rocking the car and wanted to destroy the car. That's and I moment. thought, this isn't good. So I got out of the car. <laughs> that, that was your thought. That was very calm. This isn't good. <laughs> this isn't good at all. I'd be terrified. I was terrified. Yeah. Got out of the car, pulled out my microphone, which is the best weapon in the world, and mm. said, I'd like to hear your side. Stop it now. I'm here for you. Now very, come. Very nice. And they lined up and they did interviews with me. They stopped. They, they left the car alone. Later on, I went into the school where the, the, the principal was cowering in the hall mm. and uh, the police arrived and the whole situation was diffused. Mm. But that was a close one. That was a close it was a one. Nasty one. Thank heavens you had a microphone. Well, exactly. You know, not a cell phone because they wouldn't have taken it the same way. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's how you do things. I remember as a journalism student, I uh, studied at then Pretoria Technicon, mm. and doing uh, a political event on the union at, on the lawns of the union buildings. And I had a friend, uh, and she was taking photographs, but she wasn't watching her background. And the ANC was on the one side, the IFP were on the other side, and she was taking pictures of the ANC with her back to the IFP, mm. and they charged, and she wasn't watching. And I remember running out and just picking her up and just escorting her away, and she was shouting, what are you doing, what are you doing? Till we got to the other side and said, now turn around and see what's happening. Take happened. a look. Yeah. And the two, two sides got stuck into each other. Wow. So there's these memories. It's That's been moments. a phenomenal time. Eugene Terreblanche falling off his horse. Mm. I was there. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I was also chased around Church Square by a tunny, a very large tunny who wanted to beat me up because I was a member of the media. Sure. Those are the times. Well, it's a fascinating journey. Let's use that as a foundation now and just talk about this ever-evolving world that we are living in social media different news sources different political commentators who are who, it's almost a, they're riding this idea of populism mm -hmm. and the more you can give yourself a bit of a celebrity gloss the more people seem to either trust you or follow you and listen to you whether you're being honest or not doesn't really matter anymore yeah. just tell me your thoughts on on the social media thing the phenomenon that is rising radio journalism has changed due to technology because it puts us out there and i think if i also tv as well if i if i remember the gulf war in 1990 1991 i think it was the gulf war the first one 
And all of a sudden, you had this guy who was sort of coming to you live from a bunker at Iraq with mm. the American troops. Mm. And it's the same sort of things. Now, going back with technology, when I first started out, we had reel-to-reel tapes. And we had splicing tapes. And we'd had to cut up these tapes and take certain sections out. Mm. I know that you'll use your laptop, but you can copy and paste and do whatever. Yeah. We had that. And then you had to go to a phone booth. We didn't have cell phones. We went to a phone booth. And you used crocodile clips to hook up your recording equipment. And that's how you'd get your sound through. Imagine. But now we have, uh, we have cell phones. So it's so much easier. You can go li- instantly live to a scene. And I do that with, uh, with our reporters. And very often you'll have a newbie come along and they're like, I'm on the scene, what do I do? And I say, right, go from left to right or right to left. Just describe what you see. Mm. And it's the theater of the mind. So I'm seeing an ambulance. I'm seeing people. The police are helping people who have been wounded. These kind of things. And you have this vision in your mind and it takes you right there. Mm. Look, we've come a long way. As I said before, when I started out, there were barely computers. And then cell phones arrived. Now we've got social media. Mm. South Africans, I think, are looking for heroes. They're looking for people to... To maybe to worship, to guide them something. I don't think politically at the moment we've been guided at all. When last did you see our president go on to TV and say, South Africans, this is what we're doing, this is what we're happening, yeah, exactly. this is what's happening. Yeah. Instead, we have somebody sitting in the union buildings uh, with some bizarre decisions on finance ministers and cabinet reshuffles. So South Africans are looking for that. And what's the easiest thing? Social media. Yeah. If you flick onto Instagram or Twitter, you can have a great time. And finding those heroes and putting themselves out there. So children today, I mean, it's, it's actually quite something. You'll, you'll notice, especially at Henley, people just walking around and almost walking into walls because they're so stuck on their cell, cell phones. phones yeah. They just want to walk and walk. But it is a very dangerous medium as, uh, as well. We use Twitter as a news source. Mm. We do. Because you can see when something's happened. Um, there is crime networks. They will come out with the information. And you know that there's been a robbery. You'll know things. But you also have false Twitter where you have people impersonating um, the Speaker of Parliament. We had something that, uh, which actually happened with the Balek and Bete coming mm. out. And she said, oh, I apologize for all I've done, all my evil deeds in the ANC. One of our junior reporters picked this up and thought, what a lovely story. Mm. But it was caught in time. Because I said, well, have you looked at the following of that person who's posing as Balek and Bete? It was 10 people. Oh, yeah. Well, and we as go. well, she would have at least half a million probably. And those are the dangers that, that uh, people face. I understand that you are a journalist, but on the side you do a little bit of entrepreneurial work. Just introduce us to that, and then let's pull that through into this idea of social media and how to leverage it or how to really take advantage of what is going on. What I do is I run a school of broadcasting. And it's designed to take people through the same experiences that I went through. Mm. When I was that little guy, just out of uh, varsity and having to read news for the first time, I had to teach myself. So I get piles and piles and piles of CVs, lots of CVs, people wanting to do the job. And sometimes I flick through and think, oh, this is interesting or this is not. I always ask, though, for a voice demo so I can hear how you sound. Sure. Those with potential sometimes can't write. Well, sometimes those who write can't read. Mm-hmm. So I polish them. I then teach them. And this could be journalists, graduates as well, journalism graduates as well. I teach them how to read, write, and broadcast. I just polish them. And that provides a segue into what they want to do, be it mm. at the SABC or Prime Media. And it's quite nice because very often people finish a course and then like, where do I go now? And they send their CV in. And most of the times the person doesn't just doesn't even open up the attachment. Sure. Yeah. Is their name a brand? Um, ah, it's just Race School of Broadcasting. Okay, so lovely. we've got various subjects. We've got writing for radio. I do that. Then I do presentation, which is very important. Mm. I do interviewing skills, media law, social media, 
general communication, and on it goes. And what I do is with um, with pupils that I teach, I don't quit until you've got to that point where you're comfortable behind a microphone, mm, where you learn how to breathe underwater. You're not nervous because just because you're on air, it doesn't mean a thing. Mm. It means that like we are chatting now. It'd be the same thing. You're just hanging a microphone down and you're having a great talk about things. Yeah. You have to be responsible in how you do it and you have to learn the guidelines of how you do it. But it's lots of fun and it's just a polishing course. Okay. No, no. Very, very nice. Let's use that then. You're then a businessman. You're in the, the public eye as a, as a newsman, a news source, a journalist. Talk to our, our executives who are listening, the CEOs who are listening, the up-and-coming high-potential executives who are listening, and just help them navigate this new world from a business perspective how do we how do we leverage it how do we ignore the nonsense and go with what is going to benefit us how do we make sure that our share price stays stable in spite of all these news how do we avoid these traps give us a little bit of insight and advice please right. our country at the moment uh, is going through a very volatile time there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of misinformation. Mm. The ANC in December will come up with their, their succession plan. They will elect a new leader. Whether it's Soro Romoposa, whether it's Nkosa Zainad Lamini Zuma, whether it's Baleta, Blake Ambete, there's a whole lot of people putting up their hands. That remains to be seen. Mm. The key to everything has been what Pravin Gordon was doing. He struck up a relationship with business. Mm. Business is going to be there. If you're a CEO of a company and you're listening to this, get involved with government. You have to do it. Get involved with them because even if you have a finance minister who's a little bit inexperienced at the moment, and he is very inexperienced, yeah. he hasn't done this before, yeah. get involved with him because there's no point in having an us and them attitude. It has to come into getting direct investment into the country. If you do that, you will pull that, in, that, that, that investment in and it'll help yourself as well. But wait and see what happens, who we're going to be dealing with. And I say dealing with in, in uh, later on this year in December because when 2019 comes, if that person is not the correct person for that position, the ANC is going to suffer for it mm. in 2019. We are on the verge of seeing maybe a new government, maybe a new leadership. Mm. With the DA coming up, with the EFF, for the coalition between the two, they are champing at the bit. They want this to happen. But whatever which way it happens, if you are a CEO, get involved in that. Listen to the people below you. Listen to what people are saying. Listen to our business reports in EWN. Um, Bruce Whitfield. There's a guy. Listen to him as well. Yeah. And get involved. Get involved. Can't emphasize it more. I think it's all about pulling as much information toward yourself as possible, making decisions in an environment of rich information. Even if some of that information may be false, I mean, you'll, you'll see the golden threads. You'll find the, the truth. You'll be able to pull back the curtain, so to speak, uh, especially if you're very close. And uh, what I'm hearing you say is don't ever underestimate the positive influence that you can have over uh, an organization like the, the government. Uh, if we can get close and we can communicate well, well, we'll be in a good place. I think that's what I hear you say. Absolutely. There are good elements in government. I'm just, I'm just a bit of a doomsayer because I'm thinking about what's happened mm. with cabinet reshuffles and what's happened to our RAND, uh, the fact that we've been downgraded basically to junk status, sub-investment grade, yep. and that's a huge problem. Look, that will come up again. Mm. In time, that will come up. But I think this country's got a long way to go in healing this country. One thing I like about the United States is when you go there, uh, people have got flags. The American flag is everywhere. Mm. It's good to have that South African flag everywhere. Make sure that comes out. So don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Mm. An example of this, those people I worked with at the SABC, 
Claudia Motswining was there, and it, there was a lot of damage that was done. But those same people are still there, and they're good people. Mm. And they're the people that every single day on the SABC, when you hear their radio news bulletins, you hear them. That's their work. They're not tainted in any way. So it goes back to business as well. Just do what you do. Make sure you're honest about it. This corruption in this country needs to go. It needs to be we need to take it out, Agreed. take care yep. of it. It needs Absolutely. to be a national pride that says, you're actually damaging our country, so get out. Mm. Leave us alone and get out. Leave the country or go to prison. But it can't happen anymore. That's the voice of Ray White. What do we call you, a journalistic journalist. prodigy? No, no come on. A, a journalist who just loves what he does, uh, a, a traveler. I've okay. been traveling through radio stations, traveling through all of this. And, mm. uh, the journey's been fantastic. We're so grateful for you, Ray. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for bringing us news on an ongoing basis. And we can, well, I certainly will continue to listen very closely, and we appreciate you. Thank you. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Follow, comment and message Henley Business School and Henley Business Radio on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn.